Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. On the morning of Friday, December 2nd, 1859, 2,000 soldiers, officials, and townspeople gathered around a gallows in a field on the outskirts of Charlestown, Virginia. Just before 11, a wagon bearing the condemned man approached. Tall and spare, wearing a long white beard and with his arms tightly bound at the elbows, he was sitting on a black walnut coffin and had to be helped to the ground. But when he climbed the scaffold, his step was lively. Like some Old Testament prophet, he stood in the sun and gazed through the warm and dreamy haze at the fields and mountains beyond. This is a beautiful country, he said. The sheriff removed his hat, placed the rope around his neck, and drew a white hood over his head. Then a full ten minutes passed while soldiers and officials sought their assigned places. The old man remained steadfast and calm. Some in the crowd murmured at the courage of one they so hated. For this was John Brown, the notorious abolitionist feared and hated by every Southerner. Three years earlier, he and his sons had hacked five pro-slavery men to death one windy spring night in bleeding Kansas. From there he had come east to carry on his personal war against the South. With promises of support from prominent men in Massachusetts, he drew up a constitution for the Republic of ex-slaves he would form in the Appalachian Mountains. He wanted no bloody uprising, he said, only a place where slaves could find protection, and he would begin by seizing weapons from the federal arsenal at Harper's Ferry. In July, he registered at a Hagerstown hotel under the name of Isaac Smith, a cattle buyer from New York, and waited for his sons and supporters to arrive. As they trickled in, he hid them in the attic of a farmhouse he'd rented outside Sharpsburg, seven miles from the ferry. Two of his daughters arrived to cook and do the laundry. As months passed, while Brown waited for the weapons he'd been promised, nerves grew taut. Neighbors became suspicious. One barefoot and nosy old woman even entered the house when the daughters were away and confronted one of his men. Brown knew he had to move. He also changed his mind. This would not be the start of a peaceful revolution at all. Now he was going to cross the Potomac with fire and sword. On the moonless night of October 16th, he led 18 raiders through a light drizzle down the twisting mountain path into Harper's Ferry. Quickly and silently, they took the armory and its supply of rifles. With a handful of raiders and several hostages, Brown then took shelter in the engine house and waited for word to reach the slaves, who he was certain would flock to him. What came instead were scores of armed, angry townsmen and farmers who drank heavily in the hotel and shot down Brown's men as they found them, two under a flag of truce. Colonel Robert E. Lee arrived at the head of some U.S. Marines who battered in the engine house door, killed Brown's sons, and nearly killed Brown himself. After a short trial in Charlestown, he was sentenced to hang. As he awaited the fateful day, he wrote eloquent letters to his supporters. The last, handed to a jailer as he left for the gallows, delivered a chilling warning. I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away, but with blood. At last the sheriff got things straightened out and with one blow of his axe cut the rope that sprang the trap, launching Brown into the next world. Across the north, those who hated slavery rang church bells and gathered to honor a fallen hero, a martyr to a just and rightful cause. Across the south, people rejoiced too. Now they had their vengeance. In the crowd, a talented young actor from Bel Air smiled approvingly as the body was lowered into its coffin. Like Brown, who sought martyrdom, he also longed for fame and recognition. He would find it, too. A little more than five years later, near the end of the terrible bloodshed that John Brown had predicted would befall the nation. 
But unlike Brown, who would be celebrated in song and story, the name of John Wilkes Booth would forever reside in the darker chapters of American history.